That's good. That's good. If you have your Bibles, open them up. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Going with this idea as he was talking about of time and what that looks like. The author here, in Solomon, really dives into something interesting. And maybe you've heard this said many times. But it, he says this, and you've heard it in songs. People write songs about this thing. But in, in chapter 3 of Ecclesiastes, it says this. For everything there is a season, a time for which, for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek, a time to lose, a time for love, Time for peace. In verse 9, it says something here. We got to all hold on to here. What's gained in the worker of his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to his children, man, when busy. Verse 11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. And he's put eternity into the hearts of man. Eternity is an interesting word. It's a word I'll have to be honest with you. I can't imagine a lot of you use every single day. I find myself using it probably a little bit more often. But I actually use it a lot more publicly in funerals. I just did a funeral actually on the way up here uh, on Friday, right before I came up. I was uh, doing a funeral for a Person, I'm not sure if he knew who the Lord was. I'm not sure if the family knew who the Lord was. And I always take a quick opportunity to remind them how precious time is. Friends, time is the most precious commodity that we have. And unfortunately, it's a commodity most often wasted by people. Time, you, you want more of it and you don't know how much you have. Solomon's saying, be wise with the time that you have. So we're going to be really wise with the time that we have here tonight. And we're going to talk about a word, eternity. Something you don't very often probably talk about. What's next? What happens when you die? We're going to be talking about the phrase, good news. The good news, you might have heard that phrase before, good news. And for people in this room who've never put your hope and trust and faith in Jesus for your salvation, tonight I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. And I say it up front because I don't want you to think I'm trying to trick you. I'm going to just throw out what we read in the Bible, truth, and then let you decide for yourself, do you believe it to be true or not? And God gives us that ability to choose. Can I encourage you, every person in this room, 
One day our life will end. Time will be up for all of us. We're not promised tomorrow. The choices that you make in light of this conversation we're having today is the most important decision you will make, not just in your life, but for all of eternity. And if you find yourself kind of zoning out right now, friends, can I just encourage you for the next 15 to 17 minutes, please, if you don't know who Jesus is, zone in. If you have questions, write them down. Things that I might not make so clear, talk to your counselors about, but this is the most important decision you will ever make. Christians in the room. Those that call themselves Christ followers. Is this a time now you're like, I know the gospel. I'm good. I'm going to go ahead and close my eyes because, man, it's been a long day. I get it. I know it's been a long day. But Christians, this is a message that should in your soul start to stir you up with excitement and joy. The gospel message should never be a boring message that you hear once and you don't really care to hear about again. It's the good news. It's the thing that literally changed you as a Christ follower from being someone that was dead with your relationship with the Lord and Jesus made you alive with Christ. That should, every time you hear it, fire you up. I encourage you, don't fall asleep. Don't zone out. Why? Because God has given you the opportunities to share the good news with your friends, with your family, with, your, with, with whoever comes into your path. And my question to you Christians in the room, do you know how to share your faith? You say, you say, look, I, I want to talk about Jesus. I just don't know how. We're literally about to go through the gospel right now. If I'm out there and I don't know how to share my faith, maybe I'll get a pin out. I'm not going to zone out. I'm going to dial in. Why? Because my friends out there down the hill that didn't get an opportunity to come to camp, they need to hear about the life-altering decision of following Jesus, and God is using you to tell them. So let's talk about the good news, because it is great news. And it starts with the very first page on the Bible, the first few words, and it says this, in the beginning, God. Because it was always about him. Father, Son, Spirit coexisting, just fully showing each other love. And, and, and it's just unbelievable. And he, he, doesn't just, he doesn't just sit by himself, you know, saying like, I need to create something in order to, you know, give me glory. The Trinity, the Father, Son, Spirit, one in God, uh, three beings that, that are just constantly just being together and encouraging one another, loving one another. And they say, let's create so that they can come into this loving relationship with us. God doesn't create because he needs. He create, creates out of love for you to enjoy him. So in the beginning, God, it's all about him. I got a little fun. I think it's fun and kind of cheesy, but just relax. All right, here we go. Just relax. All right, here we go. All right, just so you can see this. Just so you can get a good understanding of what I'm talking about. In the beginning, big G, God, right? And I kind of put on there things we talked about again with God, right? That he is 
creator. He's eternal. He's, he's love. He's personal. He's holy. He's set apart. He's everything that we truly desire. And it says, in the beginning, God, what's he do? Create. Create what? Everything around us. You see, everything around us, God creates. He spoke into being, and it happens. And not just spoke and leaves. It says that he sustains. He, he holds all things together. And he doesn't just create the world around us. He creates. Get ready. Drum roll, please. Us. He creates us. And here's what I like about this silly little illustration. To me, what I love about this is it's saying God created us and gave us a lifeline to enjoy everything that is personal, love, holy, peace, hope. He creates us to enjoy him. That's Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. And we talked about it this morning. Genesis chapter 3 is Adam and Eve were created to enjoy God and walk with him. And God would walk with his creation. And it was exactly what it was intended to be until they wanted more. And they said, God, I don't want just you. I want something other than you. And God said, you don't. Trust me. You only want me. All you need is me. And they're like, nah, we want something more than you. And so God gives them over to their desires. And sin enters into humanity. And that's what we talked about this morning. And we could blame Adam and Eve and say, well, that's Adam and Eve. Why do I, why do I get judged on, on their behalf? Friends, be honest with yourself. In fact, the Bible, if you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, I got a Bible for you. You could, you could look at my Bible. Or it says this in Romans 3.23, it says this. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. And I can't imagine there's one person in this room who's like, now nah, I'm pretty perfect. Pretty or you are perfect. You can't be pretty perfect. Unless you're saying I'm pretty good, but pretty good isn't perfect. And all this is saying is we've all sinned. God says, love him more than anything, always. And you don't, you don't. So that's a sin. And you're like, okay, well, I sinned. Good, as long as we're on the same page. I agree. I sin. You sin. We all know that now to be true. Okay, so what? Well, the problem is the next verse that comes up, Romans 6, 23, it says this. The wages of sin is death. Wage is what you earn. I don't know, maybe some of you have jobs. Some of you are going to start to have jobs one day. Can't imagine if you're a server and you go and you serve for two weeks and you go in and your manager all of a sudden gives you a paycheck and you're like, I can't believe I get a paycheck. And they're like, what do you mean? I mean, why, why do I get this paycheck? Because it's your earnings. It's what you get. I can't believe it. Thank you. You wouldn't say that. Why? Because it's what you deserve. You work, you get a paycheck. It's your wage, it's your earnings. Problem with this is it's saying we've all decided, look, I've sinned against God. And before you think, well, is there truly a God? Romans chapter one speaks into that. He says his, his, his attributes, his power is on display for everyone to see so that there's no one that can have an excuse. You can't have an excuse to say maybe God doesn't exist. Why? Because creation screams, creator. You don't walk into this chapel here. You don't walk, you don't drive through the forest. 
come into this camp and be like, wow, it's crazy after a billion years that this structure just happened. The, these rocks perfectly went on here and made these beams. And look at these bolts went perfectly through right there to hold this up. And can you believe it? After a billion years, lights just happened to hang in the perfect spot to shine on the stage. And at that same time, there was light switches that turn them on up in the sound booth that happened to set up a microphone that I could talk, built the stage, put some chairs in here. You wouldn't say that. You just wouldn't. You would say, oh, somebody created this room. Yet we think, oh, is there a God? When everything else screams, creator. The world screams creator. You don't have an excuse. And you could say, well, I didn't sin. Okay, well, that's between you and the Lord. But you know you have. So now it comes down to if God is God, and he says, look, we've all sinned, and you're like, okay, guilty of sin, one, I'll say one. Well, now we can all then say the wages of that sin is death. And you're like, okay, all die. You got me, God, right? We all die. What's hard about that word death, it's not just a, a physical death that you will die. It's a spiritual cutting off from our life source. And that might seem a little intense for you, for one sin. But, but the reality is, we understand, we understand respect. We understand that chain of power. My son, if he was to come in here and, you know, walk up here and slap me in the face, right? That would not be awesome. He would get grounded. If he's at school and he walks up to his principal and he slaps his principal, not good. He would get suspended or kicked out of school. If he walks up to a police officer and slaps the police officer, he either might get a ticket or a big stern talking to. He might have a fine, do community service. If he goes to the president of the United States and slaps the president, he gets Electrocuted, right? Like with tasers and, and thrown into prison for a very, very long time. But why? Why if he slaps me, he gets in trouble a little bit. And if he slaps the president, he gets trouble a lot. Because of power and we get that. We understand how that works. Yet we then say to God, well, God, I mean, if I just sin a little, little against you, why is that a big deal? Because he's God. And when we talk about power structure, he's it. And the problem with us, when it comes to our sin, we lower who God is and we raise who we are. And we've lowered the holiness of him and we've raised us to be awesome. Yet we're not awesome compared to his holiness. So when he says, you've sinned against me, rebellion is a big deal. You want something other than me? I'm telling you, you don't. And you say, I do. And he's like, you don't. And he say, you say, I, I do. He says, then I'll give you what you want but it'll never end well. And rebellion against me is a really big deal. It will cost you a life. Your life. Not just a physical death, but listen, if we, if God is who he is, holy, set apart, unlike anything, that he's true love, that he's full satisfaction, that he's hope, that he's peace, all those things that I know you're longing for, so am I. And he's created us to enjoy him, and he's given us this lifeline to him. 
But then one sin comes. It literally, the wages of sin is death. Literally cuts us off from our life source. And we think that's not a big deal. Look what happened to us. We were created and it was perfect together. And if you can't see it, now it's broken. And I say that because, listen, in this room, I believe that you have been broken by people. And that's not what God intended. And you sit here and you blame God for God. Why are you doing these things? And he's like, that was never the intent. It was supposed to be perfect. That you enjoy me and I am everything that you want. And together, you together as a community love me and it's perfect. Yet sin not only breaks this relationship, it breaks these relationships. Me, you, you to your friends, you to your parents, me to my wife. It just separates us. Sin has that problem of breaking things apart. Because the wages of sin is death. It's a physical cut off from our life source. And the bad news is you can do nothing to fix it. But you could come to camp. You could come up to Hume Lake. You can have a blast. Have some good times with friends. Draw closer to God. And as you do, still broken. But you can go to church. And you wake up every Sunday, every Wednesday. You memorize Bible scripture. And it's great. And that will not fix the problem. And you could do whatever you think that you can muster up, work the best kind of life, try to do all that you can to live a perfect life, to try to do what you can to fix the problem, but it doesn't fix the problem. Why? The wages of sin isn't going to church more, saying more Bible verses more, doing the right thing or trying to live a good life. That doesn't fix the problem because the wages of sin is death. Because rebellion against God is a big deal. And there's nothing you can do to fix it. We are literally cut off from our life source. And the hard thing is, is if I'm spiritually, if I, if I die physically apart from God, if I die physically, apart from God, spiritually cut off from him, I'll stay that way for eternity. If I die spiritually and physically cut off from God, I'll stay that way for eternity. That's hell. A physical and spiritual cutting off from our life source and there's nothing you can do to fix it for all of eternity. Someone has to pay the price. You have to pay for your own sin. I can't pay for your sin because I got sin I've got to pay for. How do I pay for it? Death. Well, this is good news. <laughs> I can't do anything to fix this relationship? Nope. And we're going to stay that way. I, I, I can't fix it. 
So where does the good news come in? Jesus. You read here, I've got my Bible here, John 3, 16. Uh, verse you've heard plenty of times, it says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. An impossible price had to be paid. A price that you and I couldn't pay because if I die physically apart from him spiritually, I will stay that way for eternity. So what do I do? I reach out and I say, help, I need help. God says, you can't do it, but I can. So God sends his son, Jesus, to come down, to live a perfect life, never, never going against God in his words, thoughts, deeds, or attitudes. Always looking to obedience of the Father. You see, Jesus didn't come just to go to the cross, which he did go to the cross, but he comes to show us what obedience to the Father truly looks like, what it looks to, to, to be perfectly human and living in obedience. And Jesus is now going to go to the cross. He's going to die a sinner's death. And he's going to pay that price for me and for you. Jesus, God says, you can't, you can't fix the problem. Only I can fix the problem, and I'm going to fix the problem. One of my favorite verses. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. You were dead. You were dead. We are dead in our trespasses and our sins. In the ways that we used to walk, we're dead. We're broken creatures. But read this rest of it for me. The two words that I love so much. Read it with me. But God, being rich in mercy. Come on, read it out loud. By grace, you have been saved. By grace. Not by works. You can't, you can't do anything to save yourself, to connect you back to God. You can't do anything. So Jesus coming down, being fully man, which means he can pay the price for my sin as a human representative. And being fully God, which means in his divine nature, he could pay sins for all of eternity. Fully God, fully man, goes to the cross and dies in our place. And on the third day, he doesn't stay dead. He is dead. He's in the, he's in the tomb. On the third day, he rises again, conquering sin, conquering death, and showing that he alone has the power to make dead things live, to put broken things back together. And as we see this, right, we see this idea of us being united once again to our life source, not by the works that we've done because we can't do anything, but only through the cross. He's it. He's the pathway. So when Jesus says, you know, hey, I'm the only way to, I'm the, only way to the Father, and we're like, well, come on, there's got to be other ways. What other ways? The penalty of sin is death. You can't just try to do better things because you got to pay for that penalty. 
One, two, 50, doesn't matter. One sin separated that relationship. And one act of love by a loving God pays and restores this beautiful relationship that, look, we now get to get back in community with him who is our life source. It's restored by Jesus alone. It's by grace we were saved through faith in him. So what does it mean? How do we do it? I'm glad you asked. Romans chapter 10 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is satisfied and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Belief is an interesting word, isn't it? I wish you could say, hey, if you look at a picture of Jesus, you're saved, but it doesn't say that. If you believe in your heart, if you confess that he is Lord, that he is who he says he is, and he can do what he said he would do. You believe that he was raised from the dead, that he is the only way back to the Father. Then you'll be saved. Recognizing that you need help. Recognizing your need and want for him. And recognizing he is the only way to it. It says that you will be saved. You're giving glory to him because he deserves it. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, as we do that, the love of Christ controls us or it compels us, it, it encourages us to move forward because we have concluded this, that one died for all, Therefore, we all have died. He died for us that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, was died and buried and was raised again. That your life isn't your life anymore. Like the video was talking about, he's like, I'm nothing, I own nothing. And I'm gonna fast forward and ruin it. I'm sure it's probably gonna say it's because he recognizes his need and everything in his life is God's. The talents that you have, the, the, the abilities that you have, they're God's. If those are putting your hope in him, it pales in, in comparison to him. So your life is no longer yours. You're living for him is what you want anyway, right? Because if you want to be broken down here, like the world is broken and you know it's broken, you know it's sideways. You're looking around, you're like, man, what is happening in society? It's people that are looking for cheap imitations of him and they're finding satisfaction in things that aren't him and that will let them down eventually in pride, in ego, in, in, in selfishness will always get in the way and smash people. Why? Because broken relationships happen. Yet God redeemed it. And those in Christ, he's the one who unites us. And he says, listen, don't live as if you're broken. Live in love, in understanding love, this power that I have, this personal love that I have, this peace that I want to give you. That John 10 that says, that I'm life and I want you to have life, abundant life. But it's only through Christ. 
That, my friends, is the good news. We broke our relationship and he fixed it. There's nothing you can do. He's done all the heavy lifting. I don't know what else God has to do to show you his love for you. He gave up his son so that you would have life again. And if you choose to say, I don't want you or your son, then he'll grant you that. And he'll say, you have none of me or my son, not just in this life. I will grant you that for all of eternity. Just as the opposite, if you say, look, I, I want you and I want your son. And he says, then you not only get me in this life, you get me for all of eternity. That, my friends, is the good news. So then my question to you, those that are not, have not put your hope and faith in Christ for your salvation, what is stopping you? And that's a rhetorical question. Again, a question that you need to wrestle with your own mind and heart. Are you trying to earn God's love? Are you trying to equal out, I won't do as many bad things as good things, and at the end of the day, God will say, ah, you did just enough. Where do we see that in the Bible? Nowhere. We see we are broken, and one sin equals death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's it. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. It's called grace. So, I said it at the beginning. Those that have never put your hope and faith in Christ tonight, maybe you're saying, okay, it makes sense. I get it. I've sinned against God. I understand the consequences of that. I need help and I need Jesus. And you want to put your hope and faith in Jesus, not just in this life. You don't just get to enjoy him today. You get to enjoy him for all of eternity. And you say, I want Jesus. I need Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give you that opportunity. Why don't you bow your heads for a moment? I don't bow your heads to pray. I bow your heads because I want you to get quiet. I don't want you looking around. I don't want you being distracted by your friends. This is this question has eternal perspective. If you're sitting out there and you've never given your heart and life to Jesus, but tonight for the first time you're saying, I want Jesus. I'd be curious maybe if you could just look up. Look up at me. Maybe look at a counselor. Counselors, feel free to look up too. Take a look at your students. If you're out there and you're like, student, you're knowing I need Jesus. You can give a little wave to your counselor. Make eye contact. Saying, I see you. I have questions maybe still, but I, I, need to, I need to start moving in this relationship with the Lord. Thanks for having that boldness to look up.
as we uh, all eyes can look up here, I want to ask one more bold thing. Those that are for the first time saying, I, I want Jesus. I'm going to ask you in a moment, not right now, to stand. Now your heart's starting to beat a little bit more because you're like, oh, I don't know about this. I don't mind being a secret Christian. I don't know if I want to stand. Newsflash, there's no secret Christians. You are or you're not. Listen, standing doesn't save you. Looking up doesn't save you. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. That saves you. It's not a magical prayer. All it is is just, again, saying, look, I confess, God, that you are who you say you are. Please come into my life. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins and be my Lord. Look, some counselors are going to stay back in a little bit, and they want to pray with you. They want to ask you questions. They want to walk this life out with you. So another reason why I would love you to stand is there are some people in this room that have been praying for you. And we would just love a moment to be able to celebrate. So on the count of three, if you've never, you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, but tonight you say, tonight, I want all of my friends to know, tonight's the night I give my life to the Lord. Tonight's the night that my broken life is now put together because of Jesus. And now I get everything that comes with him. Love, hope, kindness, peace. I get this eternal, powerful God in my life. But it's only through Jesus. You've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, and tonight you say, I want to. I'm going to ask you to stand. You ready? Never done it before. First time. On the count of three. You ready? One, two, three. Stand to your feet. You've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, and you want to do it tonight. Right on. Those that are standing, take a look at my eyes here. It's kind of bright here. Can we actually lift the lights up in the room here for a moment? I'm pumped for you guys. I am. Know this is your standing. It doesn't mean tomorrow is going to be easy. You've got an enemy that's going to be coming after you. <laughs> Trying to remind you, ah, is this really real? Is God who he says he is? Can I encourage you? Be surrounded by friends. We'll talk about that tomorrow. But each one of you, Continue to ask questions on who God is. And tonight, again, if you could do me a favor, just make contact, eye contact with a counselor or a youth pastor you came up here with. Make a quick contact with them. Just say, hey, I see you. I see you. You got me. Good. Good. All right. Now, here in a moment, here's what we're going to do. I've been hearing you guys scream for Brumaki all day long. On the tube run, you guys got some loud voices on. In a moment, I'm going to have you that are sitting explode with excitement. And here's the reason why. There are people in this room that literally were dead and broken and didn't have a relationship. And because of Jesus, their lives have been restored to new. And I want them to hear this excitement in the church body of excitement of you wanting to have been praying for them, come alongside them. If you feel you got to get out of your chair and give them a hug, feel free to do that. I want this roof to be blown off by the excitement so that those that are standing understand when life might get hard, you've got a body of believers here that are excited, screaming and cheering, saying, let's go forward.
on the count of three. You guys got me on that? I want you guys to make some noise. Give hogs. It'll be a celebration on the count of three. One, two, three. Make some noise. Have a seat. We're going to get you out here in a moment. Once again, celebration, let's not stop that. Go out, ask Christians in the room. Ask your, your, your roommates. Hey, did anybody make a decision? Allow them to start talking about who God is. You share your testimony. Awesome things will start to happen. If you didn't stand up tonight, but you know you feel like that you want to give your life to the Lord, it's too late for you. I'm just kidding, right? Like, you can do it. Listen. 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 We're going to break out of here in a moment. If you find yourself saying, I should have stood, don't leave. Stay back. If you're going to your cabins thinking, I need a walk, I need a process, no problem, do it. You get back to your cabins, talk to your counselors tonight. Think about it. You don't have to make a decision in this chapel. You can make it anywhere. It's between you and God. However, and I don't say this to scare you, I say it because it's true. There's a time for everything, and you don't know how much time you have on this earth. Last people I want to talk to here is Christians. Christians in the room. The Bible's constantly talking. The New Testament is saying, live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Maybe if you heard, as you heard this gospel message, it reminds you of the truth of who he is. And you might be thinking, so every time I sin, it, it cuts my relationship with God, breaks it again? No way. Your sin doesn't outmatch the power of the cross. You're restored because of the cross. And he says, there's nothing you could do to snatch you out of my hands. I got you. But what's interesting, Christian, if you find yourself in the room saying, why do I feel like I'm, I'm not living the, the Christian life out? Maybe it's you're trying to pull away from Christ and you're trying to live as if you're broken again. Stop. You gave your life to the Lord however long ago you gave your life to the Lord because you wanted him. You have him. So quit running. This word in the Bible is beautiful. It's called repent. Repent means literally confessing. It means stop running, turn around, and go the opposite direction, right? Quit pulling away from him. Stop. Repent. Look back at him and be in awe of him. So Christians in the room, in a moment, we're going to break out of here. If you find yourself saying, you know what? I need to do some business with the Lord. Stick around. We've got stuff happening in about 20, 25 minutes in camp. That'll happen. Let's get our lives back in a right kind of view of who God is. Let's sit. Let's process. Let's pray with our friends. Let's pray with our counselors. Don't rush out of here. So, in a moment, what we're going to do is we're going to open up these doors. 
if you didn't make a decision, we're going to let you roll out. No problem. You're walking out, either a Christian or not a Christian. If you're a Christian, can I encourage you as you get out the door, start praying for the people in this room. If you're not a Christian, you walk out the doors, come back in. Give your life to the Lord. If you need to stay back here, if you just gave your life to the Lord, can I encourage you, just stay back for a few moments. The counselors want to come alongside you. They want to encourage you. They want to talk. They want to pray with you. If you're a Christ follower, sit there. Counselors might come around and just be like, I just need some time with the Lord. That's beautiful. That's what's, I don't know what's going on with that. It's excitement, trying to keep you awake, right? So I'm going to pray. And then we're going to leave. Here it is. I, I believe in you. You guys are mature enough to do this. We're going to leave in a discipline of silence. What that means is we're going to be as quiet as possible. Those that want to roll out, no problem. Honestly, no problem at all. Those that want to stay back, do some business with the Lord, stay. Let me pray for us and we'll get you on your way. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the truth. Thank you for setting us free that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, but you made a way to restore a relationship that I broke. It is by grace undeserved grace that I am saved. You made a way back to you and may I cling to the cross and may I be overwhelmed with who you are starting tonight, God. Thank you for this time. It's in your name we pray, amen.